everybody. It's Carnival of Randomness. Somehow we've done two shows in a row in January. It's already the last week of January, and soon February will make us shiver with every paper we deliver. But Greg is... Greg did his Spinal Tap thing and blew up again. We'll have to put him back together. <laughs> but I'm very thrilled that anybody in East Rochester area and will just remember this shop. And he's still around, and we're very happy to have Bob Hyatt on today. Hi, Bob. Oh, yeah. And we're not only that, we never stop. We always go over the top to entertain you. We have Danny and Ethan on, too. Hi, guys. <laughs> Dan Lomenzo. Yeah. And Ethan Porter. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for doing the last names. <laughs> like, it's okay. I always pronounce them wrong. That's why I only say the first names. <laughs> you got my trick. So, then how did this all start out? I know it started out as a stereo shop. Was it on Goodman, maybe? But just how did this all come together for all you guys? Uh, I started out of my house before these guys were around uh, in 61 and uh, moved into <clears throat> Goodman Street on the side of the Park Lee, 171 South Goodman. In the fall of 65. Awful. And I was working at the time at Rochester State Hospital, which was more like play than work, but uh, that's why I was there. <laughs> but the store was a mecca. It was a mecca of hi-fi crazy people. We were just so excited to be there, especially on a Saturday. Remember a Saturday, Bob? Mm. Everybody was in there. It'd be like great musicians that were all from all over the city and college kids that were trying to build Dynakit amplifiers and just the, the people that were working there were just so receptive to everyone there. It was a circus. It was a wonderful time to be there. And I would think too at that time, 1965, it had to be it was sort of new. Oh yeah. And it was something new and exciting. It was. Yeah, the ones that were there uh, before me were Jerry Fink on Clinton Avenue. Yeah. And Dave Craig, Dave Craig, who also, speaking of the symphony last night, uh, played in the symphony. Dave? Yep, yep. That was That's his. Pri- that was his primary. His store was on University or something, wasn't it? Uh, I, I, it was over in, uh, over by University in Alexandria. Yeah, I, I remember think. he had big yeah. Bozak speakers, and giant cabinets, and over there it was a crazy place. But Hi-Fi was was. Well, then, uh, a few years before I opened was uh, DLK Electronics, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was David Lloyd Kendrick. <laughs> That's great. And Harry Davidson. <laughs> That's just great, though. But Hyatt's, Hyatt's was the mecca. It really was. And did fun. you learn? I know you did stereo period. Did you learn on the job where you had help? I know you were telling some. Always, I don't know why we do this. We should tape the pre-show conversations. They're better than the show. <laughs> well, a lot of the people that worked with me and for me were better techies than I was. I was uh, more of a hustler. Oh. You, you were the man, though. From right? when I was a kid with paper outs when I was nine. And, you know, I grew up in Penyan. Yeah. yeah, that's what I used to do. I had a paper route, and what I used to do during the summers, I would go around. You need the lawn cut. You need this done. Sure. You need that done. Sure. But the best I could do for stereo repair was to get the point. When the needle had dust on it, I could get it off. Get it off. That was about it. <laughs> well, that fixed everything. That's, I was like a master of that. Well, wherever I go now, it's hard not to think that you're getting screwed on the rent. Because uh, when I went into Goodman Street in 65... My rent was nine hundred bucks a year, yeah. seventy five <laughs> bucks a month. In oh, the wow. second year we were there, we did seven hundred thousand dollars worth of gross business with a uh, 
expensive $900 a year for the rent. <laughs> when the Cost Brothers took the place over, my rent went from uh, 75 bucks a month to 1000 a month. <laughs> yeah, sure. And the original store was uh, 32 feet long and uh, 12 feet wide. And then my wife got involved, and we took over what used to be the garbage area of the Parkley and built the back part of the Parkley, which was like 30 by 30. Hmm. So, so I like the basement, right? Well, we didn't have the basement, but they didn't use the basement, so we got to use it. That was my favorite spot. Yeah. Well, that's where uh, Mick Gazowski and uh, Artie yeah. were. And, I, and half there. the basement had still had a dirt floor. See, I used to like that because I was... I used to go to Empire Comics for like 30 years, and I always used to tell the <laughs> owner when they moved down Stone, yes, but I liked that sleazy old newsstand feel of the other store better. Sure, sure. That was, Rochester had a, had a something to it. It know, always said, they had, they have character. It, it, you know, it, you it, can go to like a lot of these stores now, it's like, blah, I'll go in and out, but before it was, a, I would say it was an experience. And you sort of got to know people, and sure. it's like, this is awesome. Be like waking up. I want to go here today. <laughs> yeah, that's what the store was like. You met you met people, you mm-hmm. met new people, and you learned things about about equipment that you never knew before. Oh, uh, where were you before? I, was, I wasn't born yet. No wonder. Still, I blame you. Still, I don't know anything. I still could have come back before I was born. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, Mick Gazowski, he's become one of the most famous mixing engineers of all time <clears throat> and he was we were 16 years old we were 15 and 16 yeah i think mick was i think he was 15 years old yeah and wow. i'd come down and his father would drop <clears throat> us off and i would just kind of hang around and watch everything Vic. happen with mick yeah hmm. it was wonderful he's 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 in vegas now he's doing real well and i think there's something I was like reading some old rock biographies like the old english guys like now, you can you take it for granted. You can get anything, but they would find a blues album. They'd all congregate. I think this was a new experience. Rock was exploding. Absolutely, it's amazing. Absolutely. Well, I remember how I got started. I was uh, driving home, <clears throat> and I was living uh, off uh, Gregory Street on Ashland, uh, down in the South Wedge. And on my way home, I saw this sign of a place on Mount Hope, which was uh, records. And it was what was the early part of Lenny Silver yeah. and Midtown Records. Midtown Records. Wow. <clears throat> and I went in there, and I bought like 12 or 15, and they put me down as a wholesale, you know. Yeah. It was $2.47 for a three ninety eight record. Huh. And yeah. that's how I got started. And then... Uh, I had uh, a couple of friends that uh, knew a couple of the sales reps. One guy lived in Silver Creek, and he repped Sherwood. And yeah. I talked to him into selling me stuff on my house at Harvard Street. Hmm. I think I got started about uh, late 61, early 62. That's actually a good question. <laughs> Where did you get your, was it Midtown? Where did you get your records in those days? Rochester One Stop. Yeah. And then... Uh, one of the attractive girls that worked at Rochester One Stop, Rose Gisson, came working for us. I went to school with her. And, uh, she was in my class. <laughs> she uh, didn't always wear all her attire. Oh. And uh, That's all, the boy, her. all the boys would be overlooking <clears throat> at the racks below if she was on the stepladder uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> filing movies. 
I still because I'm a detraction a little bit because oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually got a lot of my records, believe it or not, like at Gold Circle. Yeah. I got the Beatles Blue album there, and one of the big things for all of us, I think it was at B Foreman's, was the two ninety nine ELO with the little spaceship. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, there was a guy who rep Columbia Records named Jack Perry, and uh, at that time, when they used the records for the stereo station. They had big imprint on the back. This record is for such and such. And he bleached that out. Yeah. And we bought the records from him. Started with a, a buck, and then he went to a buck and a quarter. <laughs> so yeah. the records, were, you know, they weren't marked on the record, which is what they told you they were going to do. But they were, uh, you know. They still the call them cutoffs. So you, mm. you'd have to bleach that. You know, you, if you look carefully enough, you can still see it. Yeah. I actually have a couple of those because I knew people who worked at record places that, uh, which no names, <laughs> having like these. Who is this? This doesn't even have a name on it. Yeah. What kind of music were you into back then? Uh, pretty much anything that would sell. I mean, especially uh, folk. Uh, Herb Alpert uh, in late '65. Do you remember when we had the brownout? You mm. guys might not remember because of your age, but, mm. but anyways. Uh, <clears throat> I ordered a thousand, and I thought I was going to get four oh oh ten, which was whipped cream, and it, had, it was a green album with a girl with whipped cream covering mostly yeah. body parts. I have seen that yeah. one. So <laughs> I I pre-ordered, and I paid for a thousand. Well, I'm not sure why I was home on a Wednesday. But I lived on Harvard Street, 923, and we had a common law driveway. And I came home, and there's a Red Star truck parked in my driveway. So I got out, and the guy says, uh, okay, he says, I got a lot of stuff here for you. I said, yeah, I know. 25 is how they came back, right? So I figure, well, 25 into 1,000 is 40 boxes. He says, where's our help? I said, what are you talking about? He says, yeah. He says, you're kidding me, right? I said, no, why? He, he opens up the truck, right? I, I says, well, who's all the rest of it for? He says, it's all for you. They shipped me 10000 oh. instead of 1000 <laughs> And I prepaid them, right? Minor mistake. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I was fairly honest back then, but not completely. So I said, well, you know, you never know. So about two weeks later, I'm in the store at night after dark, and the phone rings. And we had a pay phone there, which was our store phone as well, right? And this was when the store was still 32 by 12. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it was 28 by 12. So I answered the phone. It's Jerry Moss, A&M <laughs> Records, right? And uh, in the course of the conversation, he says, uh, Helly says, I'm still sleeping on the couch. He says, we're, we're just trying to get started. And we can't, you know. So while we're talking... The lights go out. That was the brownout. Oh. So we make a deal, a dollar and a quarter. I paid him a dollar and a half <clears throat> for the thousand. And when he sold them to me, he said, they're all going to be stamped, promo and stuff. I said, yeah, I don't care. Well, of course, none of them were stamped. You know, They were all just brand new in the boxes. So uh, it took me about three weeks to get the money to send the rest of the money for the others. And I had a letter, which I probably still got someplace. That I could buy any A&M record for a buck and a quarter. Hmm. 
And it didn't say anything about dates or anything else. <coughs> well, the last time I looked, he was worth uh, about $950 million. Oh my <laughs> You contributed God. very well to that. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, my parents always bring up to me, being Rochester, I'll hear because my dad worked at Kodak, he's like, the blizzard of this, the blizzard of that. Yeah. They used to say that the horses that lived on Laser Street in the city, that they had plows pulled by horses. Mm. Well, those records, uh, you know, I wasn't prepared to get rid of 10,000 of them. I probably sold two or 3,000 of them to Lenny because he was paying 50 cents or 75 cents more. So I think I probably made a quarter a piece on, you know. Or four <laughs> but it was so funny. It's a great record. They're all for you. <laughs> it's more about the cover. Yeah, that's the yeah, one you see on Facebook all the time. They didn't ship me that. What they shipped me was Going Places, yeah. which was, yeah. uh, I think whipped cream was 4008, and Going Places was either 10 or 12. That's <laughs> <laughs> all they had. They had 10 or 12. You know, the Mariachi Brass, Herb Elpert, you yeah. know. Yeah. But I wondered, like, in those days when people needed stereos repaired, what was, like, the main problem usually when they first started out like that? Well, one of the main problems of the early days was quality control. Yeah. I mean, uh, I took a friend to the show in New York, and he was so down and out that he slept with pillows on our hotel room floor. And I helped him get Pioneer as a sales rep. I didn't even buy Pioneer from him for a year. And I was selling primarily Scott and Sherwood. And we would probably have 20% failure out of the box for the American product, right? Mm -hmm. When I finally started buying Pioneer from him, I went through over 100 before I had one bad one. Mm -hmm. So it was like 20% defect, American-made. Less than one percent from Japan. That's amazing. Pioneer. Yeah. I bought my uh, quad from you, Bob. Yeah. Among other things, QX nine forty nine. Does that sound right? Something like that. Nine something. Yeah, I think Huge. it was nine uh, nine forty nine. Didn't, didn't sell as many of them. That was a big big unit. It was a beast. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Six thirty six seven. Yeah, it, it was like I think four five six seven eight nine. Five mm. five different ones, mm. depending on the application. Yeah. yeah. You had some other stuff, though. You had good used stuff that was great. You had Arm, I, I got a Harmon Carden from you that we, just I had it for years. It was wonderful. And didn't you have, um, what was I trying to think of? There were two guys that were working on their, I think, doctorate degrees, both of them. Ted Jazdek and, uh, Fred Cross, and these guys were like uh, jazz tech, build his own speakers. Do you remember a guy named Larry Smith? I know a lot of Larry Smith. Okay, no, this, this guy's uh, claim to fame was his middle daughter was Playmate of the Year. Oh, man. Julie Carlisi. She was married to a guy in Rochester. And I'm seeing a trend here, like with yeah. the person working there. And, this. Yeah. and uh, he and I used to go off to Sattler's. We would buy half of our stuff from Jack Perry at the Columbia because you couldn't beat the dollar price, you know. Even though, and they weren't all some, you know, some of them weren't even marked. But uh, Sattler's had uh, it's, I think, where the theater is now, uh, out in Henrietta. 
and they had pretty good deals on records. That's actually the one problem I used to have with my stereo was like the one speaker would go wonky and you'd be playing it and all of a sudden it would go out. You have to plug it yeah. back in. Repair was a good thing. It was a, it was a big thing for you guys. Well, I uh, had a very nice experience yesterday, and I'll get it and I'll give you the site. <clears throat> We we're trying to figure out who wrote it. It's very detailed about all of the hi-fi stores and the stereo shops in Rochester. Oh, and, and it goes through the whole thing. And uh, he was thinking that it might be somebody that, but I don't think it was who he who he thought it was. It was because whoever it was had worked for JB Sound, <coughs> the Sound Chamber. Uh, I don't oh, think I don't think for DLK. It was the one in Pittsburgh. What was his name? He moved a couple times. Sound high end. I don't know. The one uh, I remember. I mean, a uh, um, piano player. The one I remember was Dick oh, Jimmy Spinner. Gale. Jimmy. Jimmy Gill. Okay. <laughs> I loved live. Oh, yeah. what's that? Playing cards right now, Dan. The stuff's in the door for you. Okay, buddy. And I dropped it down to 75. I, I told you 80, but it was wrong. It was 75. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Another carnival of randomness exclusive for everybody. <laughs> I thought I had it on there. No, it's, I love it. Like, I'll have, like, if anybody's phone goes off, we answer it. Let's put it on the show. <laughs> so, Bob, I meant to ask you, how old are you? You're 50? Yeah. Uh, 39. Yeah, I was. How come we're all thirty nine on the show? Jack shows and I are here? both thirty nine. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like an opinion question. Nothing matters on this show. How now? I've heard a lot of people who are really into music say still records are the best for sound. Audio files. You get a good stereo system. It's the best sounding still. Well, uh, I still have a couple of turntables, but uh, the Thorns and all the. The, the $59 Acoustic Research uh, turntable. Yeah, that uh, a lot of the new stuff is supposed to be phenomenal. There's a guy that uh, used to work for me part-time, uh, Richard Barone, who's uh, probably going to get tossed out of his house one of these days by his wife because he's got probably four or 5,000 LPs there. And... Uh, he he swears by it. Uh, do you guys know uh, a, a young guy who lives over in the Batavia area named Lowell? No. no. Well, he's got. Uh, I was at uh, <clears throat> Leader TV, and Kevin was telling me that he went over there last month, and this guy has got four large barns. And he said you can barely walk through them, all loaded with fine hi-fi equipment. Oh, my wow. God. Half of which probably because of the coal yeah. will be inoperable. Yeah. Yeah. And he bought probably half a dozen pieces from me six years ago when we moved from the piano works over to Pittsburgh. Hmm. I think everything there's the, some people collect different things too. I could see collecting different if I had the money, different stereo systems, just yeah. just vintage ones. That was always like my goal to be one of those old guys being about a little cognac, having a pipe and listening to like a really cool one of those glowing radios. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well there's still still stuff like Macintosh and stuff. 
They were some of the best that you could ever Your have. Your system is incredible. I have a couple of Macs myself, and there's, it's just wonderful. But what you were talking about records, they sound wonderful. They have a fluid sound to them. They have a nice, and the, the, the bass is nice and rich. But the noise is unbearable. After you after you listen to a, of course, I'm probably going to hear from this, but you listen to a CD and there's no noise, and you can hear the instruments, you can hear the depth so much better. <laughs> some of, some yeah. of the new vinyl is supposed to. It's good. They have taken care of that. Any thoughts? Does anybody care on black vinyl versus different color vinyl? Does remember the Nas album was red? Yeah. Yeah, I look. I take it from a different perspective from comic books. Like in the 1990s, there was a big glut of comics, and you had to try to stand out to sell. So I just yeah. look at like I'll look at my email from different records, and you have all the cool covers and yeah. a couple of my friends. And I think it's just to try to appeal to the eye. Yeah, you know. But I'm like I always say, like black vinyl still. Now it's they have 200 gram vinyl and 180 gram heavy vinyl. It's supposed to be able to last better. Do you have some of those, Dan? I I bought um, uh, the, the only record of recent that I bought, which was now probably four or five years ago, was, of course, Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. And I don't have a system that would do it justice, so I've never actually played it. Yeah. I have it. Because you don't hear finding out the one speaker yeah. and then, like... Uh, well, yeah. the other issue, too, of course, is that no matter where you go into, you're going to pay at least $30 for a piece of vinyl, which is, yeah. like, you know, wow, three albums, 100 yeah. bucks. And the, the first few plays are amazing. They just sound so wonderful. Mm-hmm. But then... Then it starts to wear. It really? starts to wear. Now, I could be totally wrong on this. What I've been told by a couple people, too, is the colored vinyl just doesn't like isn't as good as the black. Yeah, I can't even imagine it being as good. You know, it looks nice. But but (coughs) one thing about records, too, it's like from different CDs, like think of Live at Leeds, so you, or something like that, you would get, it would be cool. You'd have it in your hand, you might have like some extras, programs in there. I love reading liner notes. Photographs. Well, how about this? If you bought Chicago albums, their second album, their third album, and I think their fifth or sixth, you got an enormous poster along with it. I have all of them. <laughs> and it's just a trip. I haven't, I've been meaning to put them up on the wall. And, you know, those were the extras. When you would get, you know, now you'd, you'd buy a poster, right? Yeah. But within the album, you, you'd get it. I have a Quincy Jones album where there's a nice same thing. Uh, you got a poster, which was really hip, you know. Well, what's amazing is the lack of manufacturers with stereo magnetic cartridges. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I had some uh, Pickering and Stantons yeah. that I'd bought from Sylvania over in Batavia when they went out of business, and I think I paid, I don't know, five or six bucks a piece. And I sold them to the kid on Monroe Avenue two years ago, I think for about $30 each. Mm. And if you look like, sure, I mean, they own, you know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They own that market. This this guy with the sure. uh, (laughs) The M77? Yeah. And I actually don't know this. I actually, I bought the white album when I was in Toronto. Sure. And now, but. It had the big, it had the poster. And I don't know if this was the original album had the poster with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, had Ringo Starr. I had Ringo Starr sign his. It's the only one I oh, remember. nice. Hmm. Well, Who's he? 
if you I look for collectibles, <laughs> it's amazing when you look and you see what some of this stuff is so what it's listed for doesn't necessarily mean it's selling for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. that's right. <laughs> well, I heard actually last night at the Planets, Julia Figueres was telling us, I guess if you have, there's a Japanese album of the Planets, if you, you can't find it, if you... This is like worth a heck of a lot of money. And I've always torn by that being like a comic book person and record person. I've always gotten it for enjoyment. And I never thought of, like, I will hear people say, make sure you hold on to this. This is a rare album. And I just never thought of it like that. But I do know, like, from the comic book store, especially, you know, some people just looked at it as a business. They would come in. You know, it's your life. Do what you want. Well, if you're ever looking for any rare stuff, when uh, we had to get rid of our storage area, they tore the building down over in the piano works behind Wendy's. Uh, I gave Buzzle probably a thousand LPs, some of which the covers had gotten wet. So, and he's got them in the basement of the store in oh, Buzzle. So, if you ever want to find some, because you know we we. They were tearing the building down, and we had to get rid of the stuff. So yeah. I called him up. He came up. Now you evolved over the years from this until what we know as your videos. How did that happen? Well, uh, we saw the handwriting on the wall <coughs> in the early '80s. The present company, Century Wholesale. Mm. You know, all of a sudden, Pioneer is selling everybody. Yeah. So uh, you know, and. Uh, in Rochester, I think just JB Sound primarily and sure. us were Sound Pioneer. And now, uh, you know, you can get it. Uh, there were uh, there were four places. I think let's see, Non Brothers too. They all were, you know. So they shot themselves in the foot because pretty soon they were doing a lot less business than they were doing before. Yeah. I think we did uh, <clears throat> a couple hundred thousand dollars with Pioneer about 1974. And our, our really good years there were from 67 <clears throat> to about 74. And when we closed up the Titus Avenue store, uh, the people that had the skating rink, Sharkies in East Rochester, yeah, yeah, yeah. they bought at the auction the 10,000 LPs I had left <clears throat> for 10 cents a piece. thousand oh. bucks. Oh, if I could travel back in time. Yeah. 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 Hmm. In fact, it became depressing when you when we closed up the piano works. We had uh, about 40,000 VHS tapes. And my Jeez. youngest daughter here didn't want to go through the, you know, so we donated them to a charity. And when we checked our cost on them originally, it's about two and a half million bucks. Sure. But we'd already written them off. So we couldn't even write them off because yeah. we'd done it you yeah. know, through the years. Yeah. But uh, mm. things change. Yeah, you have to evolve. That's the one thing <clears throat> as you get older, too. It's like nothing stays the same. No. Well, look at uh, JB Sound, yeah. TLK Electronics. Sure. Both financially went out of business. Yeah. And DLK found that when you had four stores instead of one, you had one you could keep track of, but you had three that somebody else was running. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's kind of like about expansion and stuff like that. I always think it's hard to do quality control. Well, it's, you can't go flying around every place. Yeah, his uh, his son ran the uh, speaker place out in Henrietta. Oh yeah, which mm. is yeah. I took a 
speaker there to get fixed. He did a great job, actually. We just did you know Shahinian? Sorry. Not did you know back. Dick Shahinian? Does that name ring a bell? I know the name, but I don't he, place the face. Ethan and I were talking last night. He used to work for Advent in New York. And I was telling Ethan when I was living in New York, I befriended a fellow whose father worked at High Fidelity magazine. He was, like, second editor-in-chief or something. And they had connections with all the manufacturers. Dick split from <clears throat> Advent and started Shahinian speakers and made his own design which I still have from 1984. We bought them again while I was living down there. <clears throat> and, um, wow, what a just a, a remarkable design. And uh, well, Advent, it's the Advent most airy-sounding speaker. In, incredible. Really just incredible. Dick was something else and, again, recently passed. I happened to do some research and found... A couple that were actually on sale on eBay a ways back that were like the model just before the ones that I bought. But he started his own factory and was making them. But it was, now that I'm thinking of it, it was way after Goodman Street, so you wouldn't have been hip to him. But just well, saying, I, that I, remember made the, a, I remember the name probably from magazines. Yeah, he, he was re really something else. But <clears throat> yeah, those small speakers were really, were. Back back then, like Advent and the small with the AR one hundred. Since mm. I remember bookshelf AR fours, AR yeah. Uh, one time, I guess it was Lafayette or somebody was selling them for a hundred dollars a pair, and we went to your place and you gave us each a a, a hundred dollar bill and we went and cleared him out. There was like ten of us. Was was it? I think it was Advent, wasn't it? Were they Advent? It was I Advent. They were it was Advent, and it was the guy from Buffalo, who seemed to be a little wacko. If you went in there, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Over it's it's funny. Road. It's funny because yeah, it was it was it was uh, yeah, it wasn't AR because AR pretty much sold anybody. Yeah, okay. And my wife Bev and I went. I think in 69 to Massachusetts on a Saturday. And we went to the address where AR was, figuring it was, you know, and it looks like an old dumpy barn. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> and, I, and you got to know, like, uh, I went down to EPI, because we were selling a lot oh, of EPI. Wow. Mm -hmm. yes. the, rep, oh my God. the rep that was selling us Sherwood and EPI eventually bought Sherwood. And uh, they were real hustlers. In 1971, we had our biggest year, and we lost 42,000 bucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> Probably from, you know, a few things. But uh, we went to EPI, and it always impressed me because their literature showed a table tennis table. Yeah. Well, I was a pretty good table tennis player, right? So they had to clear the table tennis player. It looked like it hadn't been used in five years. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't believe how small it was. Yeah. Well, he borrowed 50 grand, Winslow Burhold was the inventor of the EPI speakers. And he lost the company. Oh, so then he started no. Burrow Acoustics. And when that went bad, he moved to Canada and he started doing the, you know, $2,000 speakers. Hmm. Wow. Ethan, did you have something to say before? I forgot what that was. I'm, if it comes I'm, up, jump I'm in. I'm old, you know. That's how I am, too. Yeah, my mother used to say the... Uh, train will eventually come in yeah <laughs> and so me i'll know like i'll remember something we said like <clears throat> after this whatever yeah. one thing i really want to ask was what are your thoughts on betamax 
because I got a Betamax. I was like the the contrarian, where like whatever came out, I would get. I still have my Betamax player and a bunch of things. Sure. Well, I sold a thousand dollar machine last night to a customer from uh, Albany, uh, an eighteen hundred SOO Sony eighteen hundred, which was a primary studio machine that came out of a TV sure. station in Denver. And I sold it to him for 200 bucks. Well, the guy is supposedly is a beta expert, right? But he doesn't understand one thing. You never take a machine that's been sitting in my garage for six years until it rooms up the room temperature and put a tape in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's oh, what he did. <laughs> yeah, nice try. So, well, he'll be okay. Nice try. <clears throat> I actually had a friend who swerved by laser distance somehow... Even like in the decades, he would say, okay, if you go into this store, go way, way in the back, they had them still. Yeah. But they, they still have them. Would you like to buy 400 of them? <laughs> That's how many I got left. Do you really? I, I never used I'll one, I'll tell actually. you what. You get the machine, <laughs> and uh, I'll sell you the 400 for 200 bucks. <laughs> actually, you know what the first and, thing and I if bought? You're, if, you want, if you want to go through the work, See, I remember. I'm selling them on eBay or Amazon. Hey, look for them. Um, but I, first, first thing I ever bought from you actually was the best of John Belushi. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's funny. Yeah, wow. I always remember that because that was like the first time I ever went in. And I was looking for Pink Floyd's The Final Cut. It was like a series of videos. Sure. See, I still remember interaction like that. It was very, it was very friendly and everything else. It was like, oh, that guy was mean to me. The, the Blues Brothers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Question. Where do you go nowadays in Rochester to get high-end uh, audio? Yeah, very good question. Anybody? No? Um, you see that guy that's always it. The guy, Dave. The guy. Dave uh, advertises all the time. Uh, Don't see Dave. Well, he sold that now. The people that own uh, that. That used to be a furniture store, that whole place. So, uh, Maynard Electric. Uh that that whole place now, they bought Dave out. He's still uh, the ones that you see the TV ads for. You mean? Yep. Hmm. Yeah. He he and his wife have a very nice place in New York City. Wow. They're into uh, Broadway shows and wow. things like that. Everybody probably knows this. Growing up, what did you always hear from New York, like on WWIRW, Crazy Eddie's? Oh um, yeah, sure. Remember those? His prices are insane. Yeah, that was great. I used to love quite a retailer. Yeah, used to go there all the time. I would buy blank cassettes there, and the place was a mess. I mean, a mess. And he, him, he and his workers would be back there, and they're just yelling constantly. Like, if you had a headache, you'd have one even worse when you left. It was not, not the friendliest place, but definitely the best place to buy cassettes. How about that TDK SA nineties? Yeah. Or Max Show, Max Show, 90s. Yeah. yeah. How much do you sell those to me? I, I got a guy that uh, goes around to Goodwill store yeah. for me. And uh, I think he found, I don't know, a box of 10 of them brand new. Mm. The uh, gray label. Yeah. SA90s. <clears throat> yeah. Can, we, can we go back to EPI speakers for a minute? Sure. <laughs> because... <clears throat> when I bought the Pioneer Quad, which, by the way, in talking about, you know, 5.1 stereo and all that stuff, 
I'm sure, well, everybody here remembers that, of course, Columbia first came out with CBS with the quadraphonic stuff, yep. which was really kind of phony, really, because although it required four speakers, you basically got the basic of the signal in the front two and basically some reverberation in the back. Yep. It didn't amount to much. But then Atlantic came out with discrete for four channel mm-hmm. and you had to buy and I, which I did I yeah. bought a separate you had to buy a separate cartridge right. in order to uh, you know facilitate hearing like the four channels but I'm telling you they were way ahead of the game I had uh, average white bands pick up the pieces album and the, the best one was Joni's uh, Court and Spark album oh, yeah. and hearing that spread out in four channels yeah. but the trip with EPI that I want to mention which of course I got from you Robert everything came from you was the fact and I still can't figure this out from a design factor so they sat on the floor at least the ones that I had but they had speakers on two of the four sides do the you big, remember that? yeah the big ones though the uh, the ones that were like uh, four ninety nine retail and nine ninety five retail Oh had boy. speakers on all four sides. Oh, jeez. They were the six-foot four towers. No, I'm, when I'm talking... When we closed up that know, store, somebody bought a pair of them for 250 oh, And I had a pair on East Avenue. When, when we lived on East Avenue for a long time, we finally, uh, my wife finally convinced me that uh, <laughs> even though we had a room that was 20 by 30, that uh, the speakers had to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just found That's that design house. to be just so... Unusual, and when you think back on it, I was living in a small room when I was going to college in Boston Music College, and we had four of them in this in our living room, which was tiny, and just the way that things were situated because we didn't have a lot of room, we basically had to block off one of those sides. So you were only getting, we were only hearing one of the two sides, but I've never seen a speaker That's design that, yeah. since then Well, like that. You know what I mean? And the, these weren't the huge ones. The two, big, the two big ones, the one was about like this. It was a 400 and I think it retailed for I think retailed a pair for 499 Yeah, Either $399 oh, or $499. Wild. But the big ones, and of course today the damn cabinets would cost you three or 400 bucks. Because mm. everything today is, you know, Mm-hmm. Actually, all I feel like doing after this, like tomorrow's going to the library, like ordering some books online about this stuff. It's fascinating, and I just love. I'm like <clears> these <throat> people. It's like I'm a, I like fill the vacuum if I hear like for history and everything. Yeah. I love to like researching, and I want some gear books now. Yeah, high fidelity is a is a world. It's a whole mm-hmm. world on its own, and once you once you hear it the way it's supposed to be, it's like. All well, I can do is I have the Jimmy <clears throat> Page coffee table book, and it's got his amps and everything in there. I can go look, oh, sure. go watch that. Listen, sure. that well, that system that Al Williams has is oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Mick Mick designed those beautiful speakers. Those are like twelve thousand dollars a pair. Yeah, is that what some he's of the using? Finest spe- he uses. Al's them. using oh, Mick's that. monitors. Oh, does Al have those? Oh, why don't no, I don't, I don't think I don't no, think he does. does. But oh. he's got a hell of a system. Yeah, yeah but th- these are just, Mick designed these with Larry Swift and made these beautiful monitors that just yeah they've taken over the world, but they're just way too expensive. Yeah. That and Mick Kozowski started right there when he was fifteen at your store, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> And we should have like a little one of those little root things where everybody came out of oh, yeah, store. Yeah. Oh, like boy. okay, this person was here, this person. Yeah, was I think here. I think they only had I think just Nancy and 
and Nick, I think just the two kids. Two kids. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We yeah. had the studio at his house when we were we were fourteen years old, yeah. recording recording people doing uh, commercials and things like that. All kinds my drums. Oh yeah. Let me bring my drums over after rehearsal with the Contemporary Museum. Absolutely one of the most phenomenal. You have me thinking like we're like 39 now, but when we grew up, there was a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But one business question I wanted to ask, and I very much suspect this, my uncle Harold Hummel owned Clover Pools, Clover Pool, and I like used to hear about how he was one of the first stores, and then the bigger stores came mm-hmm. in, and mm-hmm. how he managed to stay in business, adapt. And you had to deal with the box store, the big blockbusters. Yeah. How how did you? you you're, I just so respect what you've done. How did you manage to compete with them and stay in business? Hustle. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know one of my views on that too is I think there's a personal thing where you can go to these places. You have this I don't know, yeah. and you can get the experience. You go talk to somebody who knows what they're doing, yeah, and it's, build a relationship. It's a thing of the past. It's a it's a crazy time right now. Mm. Well, there are still uh, uh, just in the last year or two, one of my good customers who used to uh, a lot of the equipment that we had for storing came from uh, his company, which was uh, a supply company for metal shelving and stuff, Jerry Edwards. And I bet he had probably 2,000 LPs. And all you know the stuff. one I want to hear about is I heard about, like, gee, surprising, Tony Levin's record collection's enormous. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. He used to come in the store. Yeah. Well, yeah. You want to hear the best? Yeah. Bev and I got married in 1967. And uh, we had some music for 75 bucks. Not Chuck, but Gap. Jerry Nywood. Yeah. Tony Levin. And Stevie Gadd. Yeah. For four hours, cost us 75 bucks. (laughs) I still love. I'm not sure if that was for my hustle, (laughs) or I think it was more from Dixie Carey. Yeah, probably. Because Dixie Carey uh-huh. was a real good friend of Jerry Nywood's. Yep. And uh, I still I love. I've I seen, think that's where the. Yeah. I've seen those videos. Like I think it's from nineteen. It's like a benefit for PBS. Yeah. I'm going, it's Tony Levin with hair. Oh yeah. We both had hair. Oh, so that that, yeah. that period of music in Rochester was just so amazing. And I've always yeah. like I really like I can't say how much respect I have for Tony too because like if you met, you've all met him he's like the nicest homeless guy too oh, I once said I once said he's up there with Jaco Pistorius and he looks at me and goes don't even compare me to him I'm not as good and like, yeah. yeah oh he's, he's he's just great well you know Dick Zuccari brought so much life to that store <laughs> he used to park his car he'd pull up on the sidewalk and park right in front of the door no one could get in or out <laughs> and he'd call you from the cell from the cell phone Way back then, he had a cell phone in the car. He'd go, where's Hyatt? Get Hyatt out here. Yeah, he took, uh, he took Gary Spear to lunch one day. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I can't, I'm having a little senior moment. Uh, How dare you? The, the woman was uh, quite vocal and uh, a little profane. <laughs> Gary was a little mild and meek, and he couldn't yeah. believe it. It was, it was one of Zachary's uh, favorite food places. Oh, yeah. 
It'll, he, it'll come to me. He was the greatest. Next time we see you guys, I'll tell you where it was. Oh, oh, oh we definitely, we definitely have to do this again. This yeah. Is, but this is like part one. Oh. But there's more, and I told Greg Andrews, if we put them back together after he did the Spinal Tap thing, so oh, sure. here, that we were, we want to come to your store. Now, Bob is still operating, and it's... Uh, better when the guests explain their hours and what they do instead of me because oh, it's like with the last names like Bob go on yeah well Dave Craig was selling acoustic research too yeah and he was probably the only person I think the second place that got it was probably DOK Electronics and he was my best salesperson because people would go over there if they were price shopping and as soon as they would ask him what the discounted price was, he would just and moan about me. Yeah. <laughs> and then most of them didn't know who I was because we had the smallest, you know, little story on Goodman Street on the side. Can I sneak in something real yes. quick here, if yeah. I may? Okay, you were talking about good salesmen. I should be right up there, and here's the reason why. <laughs> Before I started to come to work for you, my father got me a job working for the Shafino brothers at Rochester Radio. Right? Gene Lynn. Uh, that name, I just Oh, he, he ran the place. Okay. All right. So anyway, um, you know, I had a modicum of knowledge about stereo stuff, but certainly not, you know, whatever. Anyway, I got a job selling stereo equipment. Well, I had already been a customer of years. So what I would do when people came in looking to buy stereo equipment at Rochester Radio, I'd say, come on, let's go in the sound room. I'd close the doors, blast what was ever on, whether it's the yeah. radio or whatever, and I'd say, hey, this is all junk. Go to Bob Hyatt's <laughs> well, it was 171 <laughs> South. It, 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 it was funny. The four Shafino brothers were so nice. They were. They were. I mean, but if they only I, knew, Rob. I, I was working at I wouldn't be here. They were probably, Italian. Probably 62 or 63, right? And uh, I'm working at the state hospital. I think my salary was uh, about 5200 bucks a year, about 100 bucks a week. And that was grade 12, which is why I came to Rochester. I really wanted to work at Willard because that was where all my buddies was, and I was their softball fast pitch pitcher, right? But they only had an item seven. Well, there was a difference of 1200 bucks going to Willard to work or coming to Rochester. And I still pitched and played for Willard while I was working at Rochester. My Finally, God. one of the guys said, hey, this is long enough. You ain't playing anymore for them. You're playing for us. <laughs> but uh, that was, uh, yeah. That's Very actually good. really quick stories. My dad worked at Kodak. He used to talk, he used to play softball. He used to talk about shifty gears all the shifty time. Shifty gears. Well, and he also, his big story was he batted against Johnny Andinelli. And I, I'm like, well, how was he? So he didn't throw any fast stuff. Well, how'd you do? I struck out. Andinelli <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, I think, <clears throat> I think forty nine. Yeah. When I when I was in the service in New York, uh, my shortstop I was pitching there. My shortstop was in charge of special services, and twice, if I had to do over again, I'd go to ten games or fifteen. But I went to two games, and both times I had the owner of the visiting team's seat behind the screen for free. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and Nelly won yeah. two to one and one to nothing. The two games. Well, I love my dad's bravado though about that. Well, no, we, well, you didn't do anything against him, obviously. But this has been really fun, and it's amazing how fast the hour goes by. Well, they live oh. right next to 
the welts. Welts, yeah. 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 Give yeah. your hours, Bob. Yeah, yeah we I think just, that's uh, what the other thing I wanted money. to say though too is one of the things you do, which is really awesome, is you can transfer. Like, isn't it like VHS to CD, like the DVD now? You do a lot of tech stuff. We, we do whole movies very quickly and very reasonably. Yeah, one of my friends is from, like, I got a crate of these. I got to bring in. Yeah, we we do from a. Uh, the only thing we can't do anymore is dramatic. That was the first machine in the 70s. Yeah. That weighed 75 pounds. Yeah. But uh, we do beta, we do VHS, and we do DVD to DVD. And we're open every Friday and Saturday in the old pickle factory. Which I don't is, know where that is. That's on Grove Street, which is just <laughs> off East Avenue. Uh, if you know where the Del Monte Hotel and Spa is. It used to be the other side of the tracks in the depot, speaking of entertainment. <clears throat> right there, we're at One Grove Street, and uh, we're open every Friday and Saturday from 11 in the morning until 5 in and the morning. And you also, you can come down French Road if you're coming the other yes, way. Yes, if you come yeah. down French I mean, Road. I think French Road, it's the last exit to the right. That's Grove Street, just before you head East Avenue. Uh, I know a certain podcast host has missed an exit multiple times over the year and had to go down <laughs> East and come down the other <laughs> But oh, No, it's actually not very hard to find. It's a really cool building, too. That's and great. It's, it sounds like a great experience, too. But then we're also now, we're going to, anything you want to say, Danny? Anything to plug? Anything to. No, just uh, thanks for letting me be a part of this. And, and Bob's my hero in Rochester. I can see why. I yeah. mean, I really respect There's no like, more of a treasure trove John. than this. It's guy. interesting you, you mentioned Shifty Gears, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> in 1948, I lost to Shifty Gears, I think. Six to one or six to two in Dundee, New York. In the same year, I lost to Eddie Fainer, the king in his court. Oh my God! I was fifteen. <laughs> so I heard. I remember my dad would like. I had to take care of him his last five years, unfortunately, because he had dementia. <laughs> but he would remember. We would go by Kodak, and he was. This is where the ball field oh, sure, was. I remember that. They always remember that. He like his softballs. He played semi-pro football for the Seneca Blackhawks too. Yeah. Really well, cool. it was interesting because in George Eastman's will, they couldn't cut down that copper beech tree that was in left, right center field. Right. And I was there one time when I was probably eight or nine years old with my uncle, and there was a ball player named Frankie Cupo, and he hit a ball into the tennis court, which was probably about 310 feet, but they only gave him a double because they said it touched the leaf on the tree on the way over. And two innings or three innings later... It hit one in the tennis court again, but that one didn't touch the tree. There's so much, like, nice. so many great stories. It's that, like, great. But uh, we're going to play also now, how is Soul Passenger doing? We're going to play a tune from them. Oh, well, we're, we've been recording some new songs. Um, COVID really struck us hard. I've heard this story so many times. Yeah, and uh, it's just, we... All the other guys really are playing in like with a lot of other people and stuff like that, so it's hard to get the gigs going. But we have some new songs coming out, and we'll play. Do you have a song you want to play out of? Uh, or just we just oh, going to sure. say we'll, wait, we'll, wait till the end. You can surprise Soul Passenger. Song. Sounds good. Definitely, I don't have to remember more. But you know, thank you everybody. Thank you, Daddy, Ethan, thank and you. Bob. And thank it's you. really been an honor for this one because I've always admired. I've admired what you've done and stay in business and. Have, Absolutely, Bob. Yeah, I might be the only ninety-year-old uh, uh, video audio guy that's uh, still in retail. Yep. <laughs> no, no, no. Unbelievable.
Somebody should help you write a book. Yeah. yeah. So you really saying, should. I mean, this yeah. would be... We should, like, do more of these <clears throat> and just, like, take them and have to give them to somebody to transcribe them. Well, mm-hmm. the blessing is really that uh, my memory is... Yeah. Pretty good. I know because I like I said my dad passed away at ninety one and he had I had a caregiver for him he's always a very good guy but to see like what you know I always say have you know it's so great to have your memory I think you're doing great Are you yeah. kidding me and on that note uh, thanks for listening I thought it was awesome and go find some good old stereo and go see Bob sometime bye thanks for having <laughs> us yeah, thank you thank you. Need to be cool.